November, we're in a series called Fasts and Feasts. I have for our passage today a rather long passage in Isaiah chapter 58, but it really sets the tone for what I feel like God is wanting to say to us in this time. So Isaiah chapter 58, beginning at verse 1. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interest on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Wow. I told Pastor Craig the other day that I was going to be preaching on something today that I'm not very good at. And without skipping a beat, he said, fasting? (laughs) And I said, (laughs) yes, it is true. 
I do not come before you today as a model faster. All right. However, and I told the young people this this morning, too. It's true. Uh, I sense that we as a transforming community are together going to be invited by the Lord to grow in this spiritual discipline. I am not calling a fast today, all right? But instead, I'm beginning some teaching and exploring what the scripture has to say about fasting in preparation. I'm calling this series Fasts and Feasts because one of the things I see in scripture is that God's people are also invited to feast, And the invitation to fast and the invitation to feast will sometimes go beyond invitation and be a command. God's people are called to celebrate, to rejoice, to shout in victory. So let's approach this conversation about fasting with open hearts and see what God might have in store for us. As November begins, we are culturally moving forward into the holiday season. The great American feast, known as Thanksgiving, is less than three weeks away. A week after that begins the Advent season. The adults in Discipleship Mosaic uh, last week, and I think finished today, discussing how God's people are called to live in the opposite spirit of the world. And we are going to shine a light on that reality through November and December and believe God to make Isaiah 58, 10 a reality for us. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. That's what we're looking for. Today, in addition to this text from Isaiah 58, we're going to look at the history of fasting in the nation of Israel And how Jesus brought new understanding and new life into the practice. We're going to commit ourselves to choosing the fast that pleases the Lord and engage in finding ways to do the things he says. Feed the hungry, give shelter to the homeless, free those who are wrongly imprisoned, share clothes with those who need them, etc., So here are some definitions of fasting from a couple of different sources. Eating sparingly or abstaining from food altogether, either from necessity or desire. In medical terms, fasting is the detoxification of the body through the restriction of food. So that's just kind of a general over thing. Um, From the Dictionary of Bible Themes, abstaining from food and possibly drink for a limited period of time as a mark of religious commitment and devotion, or as an expression of repentance for sins. And then last week at the prayer conference, my ministry colleague, Yimmy Obi, Reverend Yimmy Obi, taught a session on fasting, and this was her definition. Fasting is a spiritual exercise, a voluntary restraint from food for the purpose of seeking God and for the purpose of concentrated prayer. She made the point of saying, um, if prayer isn't involved, then you just might as well call it a hunger strike. (laughs) That what when we're called to fasting, it involves prayer. 
There are three types of fast generally recognized. Normal, meaning no food for a certain period of time, though there may be liquid. Partial, which is meaning a diet is limited, though some food is allowed. Many of you have heard of the Daniel fast. That would qualify under that partial fast. Certain foods are allowed, certain foods are not. Um, An absolute fast is the third type, total abstinence from all food and liquid. In the Old Testament, fasting was regarded as an act of self-renunciation, specifically connected either to serious repentance or serious need. It was a way to add weight and gravity to the prayers being offered, a sign of taking this seriously and hoping it will capture God's attention and response. Throughout the Old Testament, fasting is associated with a mournful attitude. In general, fasting was abused, becoming an externalized ritual. It was a way to look pious and done for the imagery, but was actual hypocrisy, which is what God was addressing in Isaiah 58. Between the Testaments, between the Old and New Testament, the rabbinic tradition developed, And it impacts the understanding of what happens with fasting in the New Testament. It became the distinguishing mark of the pious Jew, even though it was largely still ritualistic. Fasting happened in connection with confirming vows, remorse and penitence, prayer and special fast days. It became to be viewed as meritorious. You're getting brownie points the more you do this. And the primary act of demonstrating piety, the really good people did a lot of fasts, okay? The prevailing view of fasting when Jesus appeared on the scene was still one of mournful sadness. So we're going to look at three passages in Matthew where Jesus spoke about or or fasting happened with him. So first, Matthew 4, 1 and 2, right after Jesus was baptized, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Jesus wasn't fasting in order to get brownie points or to be merited as one of the most spiritual among the group, but Jesus fasted. So we can learn from that, that yes, this discipline of fasting could be something that we need to look at and figure out how to do. And as I said, we're on this journey together. Okay. So at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus in his time in the wilderness, separate with God was fasting. Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So when we're on a fast, it's not about public display, making sure everybody knows that we're on a fast. Matthew 
And in Matthew 9, 14 and 15, one day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. And so this is where Jesus was showing that in the time after his, he was not with us on earth, his followers would engage in times of fasting. Clarence Bass writes, Jesus' words about fasting in the Sermon on the Mount constitute a radically different approach to voluntary fasting. In condemning the type of fasting which seeks favor with men, by an ostentatious display of outward piety, Jesus taught instead a robust faith that sought genuineness of relation to God through a pure heart. He goes on to explain that viewing fasting as a mournful stress is inconsistent with the new age of joy that Jesus, the bridegroom, has begun. And so the rule of the Messiah has broken the power of the evil age Fasting would appear to no longer be consistent with that spirit of thanksgiving and joy that marks the framework of the new age, since the Christian life is not to be dominated by tragedy, but by joy and happiness. Yet the kingdom is not fully realized and there is a place for fasting properly understood, but it must be done within the context of the joyful thanksgiving of the new life in Christ. His last sentence, I'm going, to, I'm going to read this last sentence and then I'll give you the Pastor Brenda summary. The context of fasting is prayer. It should conform to the same conditions as prayer. Unostentatious quietness before God, arising out of gratitude, expressing thanksgiving, grounded in faith as a means of spiritual growth. All right. So that's a whole lot of words to basically say this. Fasting is not about being sad and feeling bad. It is about being glad and living rad. I don't even know if rad is a word anymore, okay? But we're using it today. Rad is short for radical. We are to be full of joy and radically sold out to following Jesus. Radical about our desire for knowing God, radical about serving and loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, which works its way outside of us into some of the things that Isaiah 58 listed. So fasting is not about feeling, being sad and feeling bad. It is about being glad and living rad. God is not really interested in your self-sacrifice, abstaining from food, wearing scratchy old clothes, or any other form of self-abasement that is done outside of relationship with him. So I'm going to relook at the verses in Isaiah 58 real quick. In verse 3, they're saying, we have fasted before you. Why aren't you impressed? Now, that's interesting to me because did anybody really actually say those words or is that God just, just drilling down to the bedrock of their heart and this is what you're really saying, people. <laughs> but, but to stand before God and say, why aren't you impressed with me? Look, look at all I've done. 
You know, look how hard I've been on myself. Fasting is not a way to make God do something. And he doesn't owe you extra whatever just because you've done some sacrificial something. Amen. All right. And then God says in verse uh, three and four, I, it's because you're fasting to please yourself. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. In verse four, what good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? So they're living a lifestyle completely opposite to what God called them to and trying to have the benefits of an, of a right relationship with God through self-abasement, fasting, whatever. And God is like, not interested. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play that game with you. So what does God want? How many have ever said, I prayed for God's will or made a prayer request? I, please pray for me. I, I need to know what God's will is for me. Well, another way to say God's will is what he wants. Okay. And, and he's pretty clear. He says this in verse six, this is the kind of fasting I want. God doesn't necessarily have any needs, but he does have wants. And this is one of them. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. That last phrase just strikes me funny. It's not funny in real life, I'm sure. But don't hide from relatives who need your help. God's will is for his people to create a caring society, meeting needs and providing family welfare. How can we, in fact, do the things that this passage tells us to do? How can we do it? I, I meet with the teenagers during Discipleship Mosaic, and we had this conversation, and I asked them, do you believe that there are people imprisoned who didn't actually commit the crimes that they're there for? And they all just shook their head like, yeah. And I had to admit to them, I have not always believed that. I had a, uh, a rose-colored glasses idea about the American justice system, that we were somehow exceptional and different from other places in the world. Friends, if you don't know this, I'm sorry, but it is true. Our justice system has some serious problems. There are people in our prisons for crimes they did not commit. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Mm. 
I find this very challenging. Is it within my ability to free someone who has been wrongly imprisoned? Can I remove chains that bind people? These are speaking to societal wrongs. And I do believe that as followers of Jesus, we can open our eyes first to understand systemic injustice and then begin working towards seeing justice prevail. First step is opening our eyes, getting real about it. It was real back then. It's real right now. I'm not saying I, you know, I had my brother-in-law here earlier this year speaking about his um, prison ministry. And for the most part, the people he's ministering to admit they did commit the crimes that they're there for. I'm not saying it's a majority, but we still have problems. Some of them are all wound up together in power dynamics and race dynamics. We've got some societal problems. We've got to open our eyes to that if we're going to do the fast that God wants. Why are these things called a fast by God? They don't sound like a fast. They sound like doing something different, like not even a fast. So why is it called a fast? One commentator suggests this time made free from from, starting over time made free by being set apart in fasting should be used to correct every way in which social structures or wrongdoers within society destroy or diminish the proper liberty of others. Okay. So while I am free from the concern of feeding myself, use that newly available time to look to the needs of others and or to engage at the community society level. Okay, that's one aspect. I, I get that. Another could be taking the resources normally spent on food and giving them to a just cause. We did this for a bit uh, when my, our children were young. I called it missionary meals. And the idea was to have this pretty inexpensive meal, and it was also rather plain. Um, And on this night, there could be no complaints about not having your favorite food. It was almost like on purpose to be something that nobody liked so that we could, you know, really suffer good. Um, I think, I don't know. I don't know what all my motivation was. But anyway, we were sacrificing and using the little bit of extra money to give to missions. That's a valid thing. Um, You'll often hear people say, you know, if you just give up one cup of coffee a day, you know, you could give towards this or something. Well, you know what? Actually, that's valid. Looking at your priorities, looking at where your money's going and saying, instead of this, giving myself this thing, I'm going to put some of this money towards this um, reality that I think God's calling me to. That's valid. Another reality is that by correcting some injustices, my own comfort may be impacted. And that brings a connection to fasting. When we are dealing with systemic injustice, winners and losers are constantly being made. 
And if I happen to be on the privileged side of things, I can be living with benefits that exist at the cost of someone else's freedom. Or someone could be facing oppression that I am just oblivious to because I am unaffected by it. I may lose a source of income if I take this really seriously. It may cost me more to buy food or supplies or clothes. Are y'all tracking with me? Just say amen. All right. If all oppression in the world was made right and the burden lightened of all those who work for me, whatever that might mean, making stuff that I use, the things I buy on Amazon or at Walmart or Target or Giant or Costco, you name it, wherever, would probably start costing more. So that's a really big global view And it frankly overwhelms me when I consider it. The idea of trying to make all things just, to never buy anything that might have a connection with some type of trafficking or some type of something, Um, to look at tags in any piece of clothing I buy. And and it kind of goes through the gamut. Like for a while, it was like, don't buy anything from Bangladesh. They do, they have child labor there. Oh, don't buy anything from Vietnam or don't, you know, and trying to be just in what I do. It's overwhelming to try to figure that out. Here's the reality. God sees the biggest Whatever big picture you can think you can see, God sees the biggest big picture. And he sees the minutest detail as well. Our part is to deal with what is in front of us. What is exactly in front of you? So in verse 7, this is accessible. We have ways to share food. Provide shelter, give clothes, care for family. During this holiday season, and that's what I was referring to on your announcement sheet, there are ways and donations that we're going to receive that are going to be doing some of these things and giving and helping people that are in serious and real need. We support ministries and agencies throughout the year that provide food for the hungry, shelter for the homeless, freedom for the oppressed through your missions, faith, promise, giving. And we will continue to engage the battle and be people after God's heart for the world. What is the fasting that God wants and why is it fasting? The the reality is when we fast, whatever that's going to look like, whatever style of fast we do, the point of it is gaining a bigger, better connection and understanding of the heart of God and being more on mission with him and allowing his power to work through us. 
When we fast together as a community, I expect us to come out of that as a joyous, happy group of people that have learned to put God first, have used that time to grow in relationship with him and been empowered by him to do the hard work of Isaiah 58. And think of this, if every transforming community, if every church around the world will choose this fast and create a micro society that is doing this good work, we have to trust that God is going to do his good work as well. What does he say is going to happen? Verse eight, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Who wants that? to be the kind of life that we're living, where we are making an impact through society, where if we're fasting, it isn't about our grubby little self. It's not about trying to get attention. It's not even about our individual, only my stuff getting taken care of. It's about being the people of God that look at what's going on in the world and make a difference. That's what God's calling us to. This is the fast that pleases God. Will you commit with me? This is a question that will require a response. Will you commit with me to this kind of fast? Amen. Let's stand together. Father, I stand before you an admitted not good faster. And I stand before you committed to choosing the fast that pleases you. As you lead us forward and ask us to grow in the spiritual discipline of fasting, I pray that you would teach us how that that would make us into this shining community that rises with salvation, that you are our rear guard, that we are making a difference and that injustice will be put at naught and that we will see the oppressed go free, that we will see the chains broken and salvation shall come to this community this community that doesn't realize their need for you. Help us, oh God. Help us, oh God, to shine a light in the way that the need for you becomes evident and the desire for you becomes unquenchable and that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness in this place ahead of any other thing and that when we fast before you, that we would be empowered to do the work you've called us to do, O oh Lord. I trust you for it in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen and amen. Amen, church. I love you. I'm trusting for justice to happen and for us to find ways to be at work doing the fast that God has called us to do.